listening to Metal Matters, the official weekly Gimme Metal podcast. When I first started talking to you about coming back on the show, the idea was to do one of these Deep Cuts episodes. Uh, I've done a few of those over the last few months, but you're a vinyl guy, so we were going to have a hard time coming up with uh, digital versions of some of the material that you wanted to play. So I decided that we just get together and bullshit, man, because um, I haven't talked to you in a while. And, uh, yeah, man. You know, there's also some cool stuff going on that you uh, hinted at in our last conversation. And uh, one of those things is this beer. There's two beers, apparently. And uh, you want, so what's the story with those? So um, I can start with the first one. There's a brewery that's not too far from us in rural Virginia called Adroit Theory. And, you know, kind of every city is that kind of quote-unquote metal brewery nowadays. And that's ours. Um, so we went out there for a socially distanced uh, birthday party for Albert Moodrian from Decibel. And, uh, you know, we had talked to a couple different breweries around here about doing something. And uh, we had the EP, the Octagonal Stairway, coming out. And since we can't play shows, blah, blah, blah. I was like, you know, what a better way to, like, promote. Like, you know, you got to be creative about promoting your band these days. Um, you have to be creative before COVID, but now with COVID, we can't just play a show and call it a day. Um, so we did a pairing with it. Uh, Mark Osborne's the owner, and I talked to him quickly. I wanted a very kind of sessionable stout. Uh, we went with an imperial milk stout, which is 10.5%, so it's not quite sessionable. <laughs> um, so that's the one. And that's actually, uh, they can ship basically anywhere. So it sold out pretty quick. They're going to redo it again. Um, we're talking about getting a coffee, so we might make a variant with the coffee. Um, that's kind of in the works. Uh, but Three Floyds uh, is making permanent funeral still. And they just opened with RJ from a group grind, actually, is kind of heading up that area, uh, Massachusetts, New York, and New Jersey. So I know that uh, that's called, God, what is that called? Permanent funeral. I just said it uh, from three points. So you can actually get it on the East coast now. That's cool. That That's a cool spot, man. I mean, I think that that's the three Floyd's brewery is like one of those uh, go-to places for bands that are on the road. And uh, most definitely, man. Yeah. And again, that's a, that's a pretty high gravity one. I think that's 10 and a half percent too, but it's the first time it's ever been in cans. So uh, actually I talked to a buddy of mine said someone in New York, he bought it, um, but they would only let him buy one four pack. Oh, really? I guess, yeah, they're only making it once a year now. Uh, but we can't really complain because the Three Floyds dudes are great. That's the first beer they did for us. They did a second, and they're doing a third next year or whenever Decibel Metal and Beer Fest happens. So. Man, that's that's like I had such plans earlier this year to go check that out, man. Uh, you know, we got Napalm Death playing, and we were supposed to go on tour with them right after that. So it's a bummer. Yeah, we were. We learned a whole record for that. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You guys are also playing. Yep. You know, and it's kind of funny that uh, you know Scott and Jr. Like Jr.'s like, man, there's like some of these lyrics that like don't follow the lyric sheet because they're just like whatever sounded chaotic. Uh, same thing with Scott. There's like three or four guitars and some of that stuff. So you know, we were able to do it, but it's funny kind of watching those guys uh, try to cobble together what was done like twenty some twenty one years ago. Um, or 20 years ago, I guess. So uh, it, it's, it was interesting. And, and you know, we kind of had it down, but, you know, we haven't practiced since February. So 
I guess uh, we'll get back in there at some point, you know. It's funny you mention that thing about the lyrics because, um, you know, I, I, I often change the lyrics uh, kind of on the fly, especially if uh, I'm doing a tour that's like long and, you know, you're, pl- you're playing the same songs over and over again. Sometimes you're like, you come up with a different phrase and that just becomes the way the song is from that point on, you know? Yeah, I mean, you know, what's that old, old you know, kind of, industry thing like or artist thing it's like you're never fully happy with what you've done because like once you put it once you put it down it's down um but you know and i can imagine like you know we don't like picture doesn't really tour like that so uh i can imagine it's like you know you you guys doing like a month or or however long in a stretch six weeks you know you're like man this is boring as fuck to me like so i'm gonna do this tonight and it keeps a little more interesting you know yeah, it's funny because a lot of times the vocal patterns are um, you 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 have this like set vocal pattern, but like it's you almost just start seeing these new connections between words, and that's kind of how it springs out sometimes. You know, it's weird. Most definitely, most definitely. You know, my other band, uh, Zealot R.I.P. Um, I'm the singer for that, so I, uh, you know, if if my guitar player's not listening to intently i mix it up quite a bit too. see i was gonna lead into that man that see how i was doing that you got this uh yeah. you got another band that you're because i i've always known you as a vocalist before you started doing all those samples and electronics yeah when i was in triac we used yep. to play together when you were in anodyne so uh i mean we're going back quite a year quite a couple of years there um <laughs> yeah you know i think i remember a couple shows in uh what's man there was uh american university and sidebar baltimore um, remember that American University spot? It was round. Yeah, actually, that uh, didn't I hate God play that show too? Oh man, I don't think so. Um, God, there was someone else, but I've seen I hate God at American University, and maybe I saw you there. But try I only played with I hate God once, I think. So, um, but anyway. Zella R.A.P. is my new band. Uh, we just shot a video for one of our songs that's coming out on our full length on 31 v um, Whenever that comes out, we got to finish the artwork. Uh, it's uh, Our bass player is doing the art, so it's a little tough to lean on him. <laughs> He's also got two other bands. so And, uh, you know, I'm the only one in, in Zealot without kids, so it's a little hard for me to uh, kind of push those guys sometimes. <laughs> But yeah, we, we shot a new video, um, like I was telling you a little bit earlier, uh, you know, not being able to work out and get on the treadmill here and there. It's, uh, I definitely am feeling it. <laughs> a little sore today. Oh yeah, man, definitely. Especially old guys like us, you know, it takes, you got, you got those extra aches and pains in the morning, you know? That's right, man. I did a podcast the other day with uh, Matt from Cryptopsy and we were talking about how bad it is to sit in a van at our age at, at you know, for eight hours at a time <laughs> yeah it's hard on the hard on the joints hard on the back yeah. <laughs> so what's this new band sound like i mean who's in it first of all uh mike from darkest hour um there is our drummer is in a band that some people may have heard of uh was in a band called frotus they were kind of like a heavy noise rock band from the dc area they did a lot of touring in um the 90s um and uh, the bass player in, was in this, and is still in, actually, they're recording this week, a band called Fairweather. Um, so it's just the four of us, and I guess it's kind of, uh, uh, you know, 
trust kill type punk. Okay. You know, very uh, post hardcore, I guess. Um, but, you know, it's just real refreshing for me to be able to scream my guts out again. It's been a while and my voice has definitely changed some, but, um, you know, just trying to flex those muscles and do it again. Uh, we've only played a couple shows before COVID hit uh, and locally, but, you know, we're still, still, you know, just like everyone trying to keep busy with it, you know? Yeah, it's hard, man. It's definitely hard. Yeah. You know, you know what I always thought was very interesting it was about that kind of Richmond, Maryland. Like, I mean, from, from coming up here, I kind of see those two, that is one region, like sort of musically. Now, is, yeah. that, is that correct or no? No, I mean, if you're from here, you definitely like, uh, you know, there's like, uh, I lived in Baltimore for 20 years and now I'm in D.C. And there's definitely uh, some of my old Baltimore friends are like, you you moved to D.C., that's bullshit and stuff like that. <laughs> but, you know, D.C. is 45 minutes from Baltimore and Richmond is two hours from here. I mean, yeah, it's, and you know, Philly is two hours from, from D.C., yeah. So to me, it's like one big thing, you know, it was very easy. You, you got to know a lot of people just because you play shows. Like it wasn't a big deal to uh, go up to Philly and play a show on like a Tuesday night. Um, nowadays it is because I'm 45. But, uh, you know, it really, in my 20s, it wasn't such a big deal. Like you go play your show and you get home at three o'clock in the morning, get up and go to work the next day. Um, so, yeah, you definitely get a lot of like uh, friendships and acquaintances from from doing that so i definitely see what you mean and you guys too and you're only four hours away yeah yeah you know it's it's a it's a much different scene where you live in california and like the nearest big city is six or seven hours away yeah it used to trip me out sometimes when we would play in maryland because it was like uh you get in the van and you're in you're in, you're in Brooklyn, right? You're or or wherever. Like I'm in Jersey now, but you're in uh, the New York metropolitan area. Three hours later, you're in fucking Maryland, and everyone yeah. has like a, a different thing going on. You know what I mean? Yeah, most definitely, man. The, the East Coast is like you know super regional. I mean, it's like that everywhere. Yeah, but uh, it's just crazy that you would think there would be so much bleed over. Like you can't get good Maryland crabs in Philadelphia at all. <laughs> and that's an hour and a half from Baltimore. You know, it's like I've always had this dream of uh, I can make a ton of money by sending Maryland crabs to Philly and sending Philly cheesesteaks to Baltimore. <laughs> that sounds like a good racket. Yeah, I'm like that's easy, man. I don't even have to do anything. I just want to uh, pay someone to truck them down, and I just buy them and resell it. <laughs> well, one of the points I was trying to make by this was that uh, it seems like Maryland and, and Richmond are kind of like a, a bastion of what I what I'm gonna I, they call it noise rock now you know what I mean but I, I call it like that amrip sound sort of I guess because a lot of bands including pig destroyer and triac sort of reference that even though they're not necessarily playing quote-unquote noise rock music I can hear like a lot of that amrep stuff even even in like like even Pig Destroyer, you know, there's like a Melvin's kind of thing going on. And yeah. Definitely with Triac too. I heard a lot of that. Yeah. Especially Triac nowadays. Yeah, um, nowadays, definitely now. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I think at least I can speak with Pig Destroyer. It's, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of fans of that stuff and it's, uh, we don't really want to write the same record twice. So using any of our influences is great. I mean, I doubt Scott and I will ever get into our super 80s pop influences or uh, 80s cheese rock. You know, you're not going to hear 
uh, the rods coming through on the their rods. Nice. <laughs> Hell yeah, but, you, but you know, um, and, and a lot of that stuff to me is like, there was Jesus Lizard and a lot of bands ate that, but no one's ever kind of taken that to a different level. Um, so, you know, doing that and the Melvins especially, I think is a huge influence on Piggy Story with song structure and the constant like changing of the riff. Um, not so much at speed, obviously, but you know, and there's, there's a lot of stuff going on. I mean, DC is now, um, got like a couple of hardcore bands that like, I want to say that are actual kids. And for a long time, it was just like these old dinosaur bands, Piggy Story being one of those old dinosaur bands. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on, and it's kind of good to see the scene, but, you know, it's a lot different than when you and I were kids where you had to go to a record store and hunt stuff out. Now you can just pop online and find whatever you want. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a changing sort of landscape for sure, you know. Yeah, I mean, how many records do you remember buying because your friend told you it was good and you were like, fuck, man, this sucks. And now you can listen to a whole fucking record before you actually buy anything. Yeah, you could definitely preview stuff these days, which is kind of good too, in a way. Now, you know. Yeah, I agree, but I found a lot of cool stuff that way. Yeah, you know, true. Just, just taking a risk, or like uh, album covers, things like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would buy uh, records based off album covers, or if uh, it was in another band's a, a band I like, thank you list. One of one of the what comes to mind right away is: uh, Have you ever seen that Judas Priest record, Hero Hero? Yeah, of course. All right. Now, that record I literally bought just because there was this barbaric, like, warrior on the album cover. You know what I mean? And it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It turned out to be, like, awesome. You know what I mean? And uh, not only that, but it was a springboard to all their other records, too. To a, a bunch yeah, of most, other records. Because it was, like, a great definitely. Thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. Most yeah. definitely. You know, I mean, I can say that Dan Wilker is probably responsible for half my record collection because he was always wearing another band's shirt in every picture. So I'd be like, well, if it's good enough for Loker, I'll check it out. And also Loker was in a ton of bands too. Oh my God. He still is. Yeah. Yeah. That guy's, that guy is like a, a true, like he's just, it's going to be to the death with him, man. For sure. I mean, he, he is the definition of a word lifer. <laughs> I would say so for sure. How did you get into uh, electronics? Cause that's, you know, like I was saying, I, I knew you primarily as a vocalist, you know, first in Triac, and then now you got, you know, you, you're in Pig Destroyer, like what, like 2005 or seven or something like that? 2000, 2004, I think. I think it's uh, right before Phantom Limb came out, and that yeah. was 2005. Because it was like shortly after Anodyne broke up, I remember seeing you right. with, um, with, as doing, doing electronic stuff. So how did you get into that kind of stuff? Well, um, you know, I kind of always had this uh, affinity for uh, 80s synth pop, man. I'm a huge Europe fan, and not all that is synth. There's that, like, mid-period. And, uh, like, the test mode. And, you know, the early grindcore stuff, there's, uh, you know, Godflesh used a lot of, of quote-unquote noise, and so did Napalm. So, um, Piggy Sur, I was kind of like, basically, they're roadie, and I would just go out of town with them. And they wanted to add that element. And I didn't know what I was doing. I still don't. But I kind of raised my hand and was like, ooh, pick me, pick me. And since they knew they got along with me, it was, uh, I think one of my selling points was, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, so you guys can mold me whatever way you want. <laughs> um, so, you know, and here we are 16, 17 years later. Um, 
it's it's still a constant uh i don't want to say uphill battle but it's still a constant learning process man i've got three new uh synths that i haven't even checked out because it's kind of like hard to just like be in my spare room jamming out noise you know what i'm saying sure yeah um so like i've got these three synths i haven't tried that i bought uh covid's been pretty tough on my wallet even though i'm not going out drinking as much i uh my spending i'm like oh that's a cool shirt (laughs) you know i've gotten so many uh horror film t-shirts that i think i I need to stop they need to put a breathalyzer on my phone but uh (laughs) (laughs) but you know i just got like my first mac uh and uh you know it's kind of if i don't really have anything to write for i do write but it's it's a little different when i have to write within a format so um kind of waiting on scott to, to, to do something for our next ep so i can kind of dig into some of the newer stuff i bought um but yeah it's constant i constantly changing my rig always the only thing i keep uh simple is my sampler and that's just because it's a little drunk proof man i've uh which is, you know, don't, trust me, I, I can beat a drunk proof thing, but <laughs> I, I, I've definitely found ways. But, uh, you know, because, it, 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 you know, some of the, the aspect of like the, the, the noise and the synth stuff is, is really cool because it's never the same. But there are parts that need to be the same. So when I do that, I kind of sample it and trigger it. Um, I don't know. Did I even come close to answering that question? <laughs> no, no. It's because I, I figured it would be this kind of meandering question because it's like I asked that question to a lot of people who are in, who are doing noise and synth type stuff, and their answers are always like very, very. Um, well, I mean, you broad. too. You had you had Fade in the band for for uh, you know a couple of years, right? Yeah, but and, he was uh, very technical though. That guy. That guy's like very. Um, I mean, I, I have like personal problems with that guy, but he's—I can't I never ever take anything away from him as far as talent goes. Right, absolutely. Um, and you know, it, it's the same kind of thing. So you're the primary songwriter, like involving someone like that. What What do you think like is going to happen? And, and you don't really know. It's like that sort of aspect of a, of being in—I'm uh, just going to use in quotes rock format. Uh huh. Is it's very open. It's so open ended. I mean, there's a lot of times I write three or four different things for Big Destroyer uh, for one song, and they'll basically turn them on down. And I'll say, "All right, well, what are your notes?" They're like, "I don't know, but that's not it." You know, that's that's not scratching their itch. So uh, it, it can be a little frustrating at times, but you know, it's kind of one of those things. You know, when you hear it, I don't want to just wedge myself into the band and stomp all over the riffs just to make a bunch of noise. I, I'm so fascinated by this because, I, and I don't know, it's like one of these things for me personally where it's, I, I don't think I have, like, I'm missing the point somehow, I think. Like, when I, whenever I, I experience this kind of thing, I, I'm either I'm, I'm in a band where there's a guy doing synths, and I look right. over, and I'm like, what the fuck is that guy doing? Over there? <laughs> he's, like, touching this thing over here, and then he's, like, then he's playing keyboards. I'm like, what the fuck is going on over there, man? Like, is uh, is he playing along to the song on his synth, or is there just all shit that he recorded some other time? And then there's noises, and and then he says something like, well, I have, like, 400 gigabytes of uh, samples. I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? What does that mean? <laughs> Tell me. You know? And I'm, and then I talked to a guy like Terrence from Locrian, and he's yeah. even more of, like, a technician. And... Uh, and then I watch bands perform. Like, have you have you seen his other band, uh, Holy Circle? 
Yeah, of course. Uh, Terrence, Terrence, and our buddies. Yeah, yeah. Well, he he, has, he lives down in Mar- in uh, Maryland. In, in Baltimore now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he was a guest a couple episodes ago for Halloween for the Halloween episode for his um, film score uh, specializations. You know, he's like an aficionado with all that stuff. Yeah, that that guy knows horror film soundtracks, man. Well, while we're recording this, it's literally the day before Halloween. Yeah, and uh, you know, it's you know, twenty twenty Halloween is not quite what I was hoping it was going to be. But uh, no, <laughs> there's <laughs> actually uh, the, the t- uh, not to get off topic. The town next to us has a zombie walk that we go to every year, and it's kind of fun. Um, you know, we take our friends and their kids, since I don't have kids, and uh, everyone like the whole town dresses up. They shut down the streets, and uh, obviously that's not happening this year. So that's like my major bummer for Halloween this year. Yeah, it's. I, I had such plans too for this year, man. I was going to go to the Ham, uh, Salem Horror Fest again. Oh wow! Yeah, I went. I went last year. My my uh, lady and I went last year, and um, man, it was a fucking blast, dude. We went for three days, and we thought that oh yeah, three days will be fine. Nah, man. I I was going to go for like a week this year. I was going to take a week off, and go up there, get a hotel. I was going to book book everything way in advance, and, right, and just chill you know and do it and that's and they still had it but you know we're, we're i'm not trying to go up there in the middle of like a pandemic you know what i mean yeah man like I, and you know is it gonna be as fun if there's like 20 people there <laughs> you know well that that kind of like leads back to uh i don't think it'd be fun and because what we were talking about earlier about just how like like i know you can go and eat at restaurants but i haven't because i don't want to go and feel fucking uncomfortable because some dudes you know wearing a mask and i have to wear a mask and i'm you know eating bites of food and putting you know it's just it's just not that cool you know yeah i mean like i said the only place i've been to is outside now it's starting to get cold so Mm -hmm. um there's like a local brewery here that's uh i don't know five minutes away and it's getting a little too cold for that you know and they're like hey you're like and you know i wouldn't go there on like a friday or a thursday or saturday night because it's too many people you know, I typically go like on a Monday or Tuesday. Uh, yeah, man, like I don't, you know, I have no interest. You know, I, I'm a very social guy and I, I feel like this is really, at first it was kind of depressing for me, the, the whole pandemic thing. And now I feel like I'm kind of adjusting to other, uh, you know, quote, like artists and stuff. Like I know that I'm like, what do you mean you're not coming out? And you're like, dude, I just don't like people or, or whoever, you know? And I'm like, what the fuck? You know, I'm in town or whatever. Now I feel like I'm that guy. <laughs> yeah, no one's been going anywhere, man. And it's, um, you know, it it is. I didn't think we'd be still doing this at this stage, but I guess, you know, it is what it is. No, but, you know, I really, uh, I really, and this is, uh, I'm not like a crazy conspiracy nut or anything like that, but I remember when the pandemic started breaking, I was in the gym and I was seeing these like, you know, that's when I watch the news when I'm on the treadmill. Like that's it. I don't. I don't have a lot of time, free time for TV, and uh, I don't really care for it. Uh, but you know, they're like, you know, it's Trump, and he's like, oh, you know, it'll be done in like two weeks. And then they showed to Fauci, and Fauci looked scared. And I was like, oh man, this is going to be way worse. You know, and think of our lifetime. There's been SARS and all kinds of uh, the swine flu and stuff like that, and that's all been contained. So originally i thought it'd be like that like you know we'll have like a tiny outbreak 
and then after that, Fauci's like, we're going to have the first wave, we're going to have the second wave, which we're all going through now. And I'm like, man, everyone should listen to this motherfucker. Oh, yeah, big time, man. I mean, I'm not trying to say that, uh, you know, I mean, definitely this thing was not handled the right way for sure, you know. Oh, 100%, man. But I guess I was a little bit on that page, too. I remember um, that's kind of like an interesting, weird thing that happened back in uh, February. I remember I was at the gym and some of the guys were like talking about like coronavirus and they're like, oh, you worried about that? I'm like, nah, fuck that, man. I'm not worried about coronavirus because I was thinking like, you know, the H1N1 flu. Like I, I remember that. I remember hearing about it, but I didn't didn't affect me at all. Right. You know? And like, you know, you're in a band, I'm in a band and we've traveled the world and we've gone to places where, <clears throat> you know, those types of outbreaks were supposedly quote unquote bad. Yeah. And so it'd be like, well, dude, you know, they were saying the swine flu shit and mad cow disease in London. Yeah, exactly. And I played, I played London and everything was fucking fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was like, yeah, this is like, you know, world leaders should know what's going on and go figure it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's like the biggest <laughs> fuck up I think we all made. You know what I mean? <laughs> dude, but, you know, and look, I'd like to think I'm a fairly intelligent guy. And, uh, you know, <laughs> that's my first mistake right there. Yeah, you know, it's. I knew it was. I knew that it wasn't going to be like a short term thing, but I was just like, man, you know, I guess. But now I'm dug in, man. Now I'm just like down for like whatever the fuck we got to do, you know. I mean, I heard a very interesting uh, podcast kind of about coronavirus. Uh, that's you know, it was like the Spanish flu was like the what 1918, and that was like the last big one, um, like this, like a global pandemic. Yeah. Uh, and that's like every kind of couple hundred years that this goes through. And actually, uh, I read a very interesting theory of that wearing the masks might make a lot of people immune because you're getting a load, but you're not getting a viral load right? to, to make you sick. But, you know, I'm not going to risk it. I don't want to, you know, I mean, I'm fortunate enough not to have kids or close family near me, but uh, <laughs> I like how I said that. Fortunate enough not to have kids. Or family. <laughs> I, I mean, I definitely feel that. But, uh, you know, and I really feel bad, like a buddy of mine from ACX DC, him and his wife and one of his twin daughters got sick and they still have one twin daughter that's healthy. I mean, how do you take care of your kids when that's going on? That's the scary part about it, you know, and also it's well, so random about how, what, how it affects everybody too. You know? Right. You know, uh, do you know Gus Rios? Uh, you know, that no. like he's in gruesome. He's a like crazy death metal drummer. He just got it, and he was out of the hospital, fortunately, in like three days. Yeah, but I, th- I think he's still like, yeah, I walked up a flight of stairs, kind of thing, mm-hmm. and I could, you know, I had to rest once I was up there. You yeah, know, I don't need that, man. No, no, Definitely especially not. with, you, especially with your training, dude. You don't want to be like, yeah, I was doing good till uh, I caught this shit, and then like, I'm, I'm back to before where I started. Well, that that's the weird thing about that too is um, one of the guys, one of the owners of that gym. This is back when I was still living in Brooklyn. It's a different gym than I train at now, but it's like the uh, we got. He actually got it. And, oh wow! And was like he was fucked up for like four weeks at least. And, right. Um, and I talked to him. You know, we were in touch and everything. Because I'm like, man, how the fuck did I not get it then? Because we're like in like this room, sweaty and like you know, like touching each other and shit like that. Right. You know? And like, and uh, and he ended up. Get he got it and he had a really hard time with it and um and he was like yeah you know it's you know th- I mean this guy like owns a kickboxing gym and he's like a you know used to be a professional fighter and like 
you know, he's in a well, way above average fitness. But right. he did have some kind of um, existing respiratory stuff from a few years ago. So, you know, you never know, man. It hit him really hard. And then I, I know two other people that got it. And they, same thing, you know, they, they got sick. Three days later, they were good. And now they're fine. But who knows, you know. And it's not just that, you know, it's uh, as much as I despise, you know, 90% of the population, you still got to do the responsible thing and not try to get it so you spread it, you yeah, know. Yeah, I, w- I would just feel like like a cunt if I did that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's like a total, like, Gigi Allen sort of thing. <laughs> like, if he were alive, he'd be like, get COVID and spread it around. Yeah, I, would, I wouldn't be into that. Like, I, I would, you know, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit, misanthropic at times but i wouldn't want to like you know that seems like a week out to the, by accident like getting someone sick you know yeah you know i think they are mis- misanthrope like you said that you know that makes me like want regular people to kind of suffer on their own yeah, exactly <laughs> it's like like i don't like you're so social darwinism kind of like <laughs> <laughs> you know it's like hey no you're an idiot and you uh you drove that car the wrong way down a one-way street or whatever like you know, but I tell you what, my commute to work has been pretty good lately. <laughs> yeah, totally, dude. Me too. It's like I just sit basically in the same spot, you know. So be, being that it's Halloween, uh, have you been checking out any uh, any good good movies? Do you have any go-to Halloween films that you check out at this time of year? Um, yeah, most definitely. I mean, uh, I'm a big, big, big suffer- sucker for Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original one, man. I mean, I watch that probably once a month. Um. So it's not really a Halloween thing per se, uh, but uh, I, I recently saw Possessor, which was probably my oh, favorite man. movie. I gotta see that, man. It's so good, man. It's probably my favorite movie of the year so far. Um, and then a buddy of mine loaned me this movie. Hold on, it's called uh, I just watched it, Decoder, which is like a, a late '80s, early '90s German industrial horror film. If that sounds right, it's got like Genesis Peoria. Oh, no way, uh, man. Wow. And Blixa Bargall from Einstein's Under No Bountain in it. Oh, wow. And I mean, it's pretty fucked up. <laughs> Decoded. I mean, yes, it's, it was, it's recently out on Blu ray and it was like not available forever. So um, it's pretty intense if you can check it out. I mean, there's like, a, it's German, so of course it's fucked up, but I mean, it's no Serbian film by far, but. Um, <laughs> But yeah, Possessor, uh, you know, and I've seen a couple, uh, like, you know, nothing crazy. I really liked uh, Evolution, which was a French film that came out this year. Um, that I liked a lot. Um, you know, and I always go back to House of the Devil on Halloween because it's such a 70s genre piece shot in the 90s. Um, Suspiria, you know, kind of the classics. Yeah, you, did you check out the remake of Suspiria? I did. I saw it in the theater. I, I don't um, hate it. I don't. I definitely didn't hate it. Some people really hated that movie. Well, I, I think it's easy to hate. I think it's a good movie, but it, in my eyes, it should not be called Suspiria. Uh, it's there's way too much subtext of you know the World War II stuff and all this other kind of uh, garbage going on when they just basically had to make a movie about witches. But I liked the movie. I just wish it was called something else, like Suspiria Part Two. Yeah, <laughs> you know. You know the uh, the score for Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like the fucking soundtrack for that, is pretty trippy too, man. And um, it, apparently, that's not available anywhere. Like they they 
the oh, they they never they were never able to separate like the the score from the actual dialogue audio. That in uh, have you ever read Gunnar Hansen's book Texas Chainsaw or Ch- Chainsaw Confidential? No. There's uh, I you know I think the mob had their their paws in that movie. Yeah, they and, did for sure. Yeah, uh, was, stuff yeah. like that. So I think there's still like people argue over the rights to this and that. And, uh, it's a pretty interesting book if you ever get the shot. Um, I have so many like audible credits. I can send it to you. I hate, you know, if I'm working, I can listen to books on tape, but I can't like do that. Books on tape, really date myself here. Books on audio, audio. <laughs> Book, books on tape. Yeah. Books on tape. Yeah, send me the cassette, man. I'll check it out. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you know th- that's pretty interesting in it. Um, I I've always looked for that on on vinyl. Um, you know, but I, I guess I never noticed that. I never was able to find it until you mentioned that. Yeah, uh, Terrence and I spoke about that on the um, the soundtrack uh, episode we did. But uh, yeah, it's funny to think that that movie was made by basically financed by gangsters. You know, um, yeah, there were drugs, prostitution, and uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Well, I mean, it kind of makes sense considering it was like such a like graphic movie for the time. And you know, if you rewatch it, there's not a lot of gore, um, if any, really. There's there's really not. And, uh, you know, reading that guy's book, you, like, you think that these classics like that or Alien or something um, are these, like, genius masterpieces. And, of course, they are, but they're really kind of held together with, like, bubblegum and duct tape. It's kind of funny that, like, you know, like, yeah, like, uh, we had to shoot this 20 different times in 150-degree heat, and we got three minutes out of it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I'm quite fond of uh, Halloween 3. I don't know if you ever fuck with that movie. I do, and, you know, it, it was one of those movies that I think originally in the, the canon of the Halloween movies that was panned, but uh, it's a fun movie, man, and their original intent was not to just be Michael Myers, so they were like, well, we already did this with Halloween too, you know, probably Michael Myers back, so let's try something different, and I thought it was a good idea, and it's fun. I mean, you can't get that jingle uh, for the Silver Shamrock masks out of your head once you hear it. Yeah, most people uh, definitely don't. They don't give that movie the chance, you know. And um, no, I think a lot of a lot of people like hate it because it's not, you know, they're kind of fucking with their own mythology there. But then they get so more egregious after that. <laughs> you know, I mean, the Halloween series spirals out of control after that, dude. Uh, you know, I mean, it's they lost the plot, man. I mean, I kind of wish they'd stop with the first two, and then that's it. And then uh, you know, all these remakes and everything, and and I uh, just. It's definitely out of control. I mean, I, I'm like, I like Michael Myers. Like, I'm like, the, he's my number one slasher character. I mean, he's probably my second. You know, it's it's Leatherface than him, but yeah, for me. Yeah, I, I just I love Leatherface, but Michael Myers, like for me personally, I just like how creepy he is. He's like in the daytime, like in the first movie, he's like. It's kind of like lurking in the background, like he's at the school, you know. Well, there's there's no expression because he's wearing the mask. He doesn't say a word ever. Yeah, you know, he has <laughs> you the, know? the cool like garbage man jacket on and the boots and everything. You know, it's you can just, just hear you can just hear him breathing behind that mask. It is way creepy. Yeah, but they with uh ep, with uh part four is like they fucked up the mask. You know, yeah. they had that weird mask. And I don't know why they just didn't go with the, the mask they had in the first two movies. I mean, you know, I I always feel this like, you know, since quarantine, I've been trying to watch. Uh, I, yeah, I've been revisiting a lot of stuff. Like, I try to get through every Alice Cooper record. 
And there's a reason that those don't sell. Yeah. Uh, same thing with some of those horror series. I mean, I tried Friday the 13th again and stopped. I was like, man, the first one's kind of cool, but man, does this get bad. It, get, and, it falls off quickly, definitely. Oh, way quick. And same thing with Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Like, I tried to watch three, and um, it was just cut to shit because originally it was rated X. And it was like, I get it, but it's not as good. <laughs> like, I don't understand why these people fuck with their mythology. And you can definitely say that about the like whole alien covenant, that sort of thing. I mean, you, you just bastardize your own mythology. It's so much better to me when like it's a little more mysterious because your your mind takes you to uh, a scarier place than someone else can show you on a video. Yeah, the um, alien. I feel like that. I, I like it up to the the movie that David Fincher directed, whichever. which was the last one. Uh, um, the one where there's like that prison planet, you know, and, and uh, oh, that's Alien Three. Yeah, 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 Three. So after that, it falls falls apart. I think for me. Uh, yeah, I'm talking about the newer reboots too. Oh Jesus! Like, but, yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Those right. things are fucking garbage, man. It's like I don't understand. All you got to do is have this thing burst through a chest, and this thing suck in your face, and that's cool. <laughs> The thing about Prometheus, though, is is I kind of like the concept of the movie, just maybe not as an alien part of the alien right. franchise. I think that was okay, but then they really like spiraled it out of control again really quick. Yeah, I mean, it's just like it's so it just gets whatever the last one was. I was like, this thing is just dumb. <laughs> like it's not even <laughs> like there's just no. If I review movies, I'm just be like, this is dumb. It's just stupid. Um, <laughs> you know. There's, like, not much else to say about it. Uh, I feel like we just got way off topic. <laughs> Doesn't matter, man. It's good. Yeah, it's man. Halloween, man. Tomorrow. Let's, Tomorrow's fucking Halloween. I know that this is going to come out after Halloween, but tomorrow is... Uh, I've been looking forward to this weekend, and um, I'm a little bummed so do you out. Have, do you have uh, Plan B for Halloween, or, or no? I don't know, man. I might... Um, I got a buddy down in Philly. Uh, it might be nice just to get out of the house for a while or do something like that. But, uh, right. yeah, I don't know, man. It's, um, this is my first Halloween in this neighborhood. So, uh, you know, I live out in the suburbs now, so I think I, I might buy some candy in case some kids show up. I don't know. I don't know what it's like around here really. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of the same thing. I think we're going to have a, a buddy come over and hang out in our carport. Like that's it. Cause, uh, he doesn't have anything to do either. So socially distance hangout um and that's basically it you know i'm not pressing it usually like this is my favorite night of the year <laughs> yeah. Yeah. especially since it falls on a saturday this year dude tell me about it man that would have been great it would have been like a really cool like halloween weekend but uh, it's not the yeah yeah i was curious i was uh kind of texting with richard christie today and was uh trying to get some info out of him he does kind of like what you do he travels all over the place he goes to haunted houses and all these Halloween events. And I was like, so what are you, what are you getting into tomorrow? And he didn't really respond to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That last year's, uh, Salem horror fest was amazing, man. There was, um, there was like an HP Lovecraft documentary and, uh, it, it was, that was, there's certain things you have to, you know, sign up for in advance. Yeah, of course. You know, and there was like a big, um, like controversy over that because originally they were gonna they had that film scheduled to play at some community center and the guy who organizes the whole thing is a uh, very uh you know very left-wing like uh anti-trump kind of guy um 
you know, and he was very vocal about his uh, anti-Trump, uh, you know, uh, ideology, which, you know, I think most right people would would uh, would think right minded people would support that idea. And uh, yeah, but some uh, extreme uh, right wing types in the Salem, Massachusetts area took offense to that and they ended up shutting down his location because it was a, uh, you know, like a, a state run sort of facility and they gave it made it gave him a hard time. So in response to that, they showed the film at this uh, arts center that was formerly a Catholic church. <laughs> and I was like, fuck, this is so cool, man. It was like, you know, I think the showing was like five o'clock. So it was like that kind of dusk, you know, golden, golden hour, you know, and it's like, um, you know, stained glass. And there was like maybe 15 or 20 people sitting in these pews. And uh, they showed the film and it was like such a perfect setting to see that, you know. I would love to see a, like a cohesive uh, kind of biography documentary about H.P. Lovecraft. I'm like kind of obsessed. I uh, just re- recently did a podcast based off of uh, all H.P. Lovecraft films. Oh, wow. But, you know, unfortunately, you can just say a lot of them are garbage. Most of them are, yeah. yeah <laughs> I agree with that. I mean, again, it's really hard when a lot of it's so psychological and you're trying to show somebody something and you are never supposed to see the monster. And if you do, it's never going to live up to the expectations in your head. Um, yeah, not a lot of action. It's all because, you know, a lot of the stuff is told as like flashbacks or there's some guy feverishly writing in his Right. It, 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 that, that doesn't make good for a movie, you know. Uh, so, it, you know, I lived in Baltimore for years and uh, at the Poe with Alexander, <laughs> Edgar Allan Poe, Alexander Poe, uh, <laughs> Edgar Allan Poe, yeah. <laughs> You know, you know his brother Alex. He didn't write that many that much. Uh, is buried. So one year, I saw John Aston, the original Gomez, dressed as Poe and read uh, Telltale Heart. And then the next year, they had a guy dressed as H.P. Lovecraft, and they read Rats in the Walls. Oh wow! Which was, which was pretty great. But uh, you know, Lovecraft's got like a little bit of a white, very white past. Um, so they kind of had to whitewash it a little bit. Uh, you know that. They didn't say the name of the cat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, definitely. There's, there's, uh, as much as I love H.P. Lovecraft, I also acknowledge uh, that the guy had some very fucked up ideas about race and, you know, like xenophobic um, sort of. Uh, 100%. I mean, the horde of Red Hook is just basically like, hey, if you're not white, get the fuck away from me, which is, you know, not really cool these days. And, you know, you know, you can crow that it was like a different time, but that doesn't make it all right, you know. Exactly. I mean, you know, but once again, you get into that discussion and, um, you know, I like Ricard Wagner, you know, is a Nazi, basically. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, legit. Like, oh, um, yeah. I don't, you know, I don't think it? it was basically. I think he was a Nazi. <laughs> yeah. But people still, perf- you know, have like Ricard Wagner's like music being performed. You know what I mean? Right. And uh, and I think that he was definitely more in the extreme world of that ideology than hp lovecraft was this weird guy just sitting in his room writing you know horror stories you know my 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 way to try to justify it which is i don't know how true it is is that hp lovecraft never felt like he was human at all um but you know again that still doesn't make it right (laughs) i mean i mean i think it's cool that there's i haven't seen that that uh, hbo um lovecraft country and uh i think it's cool that it's being uh you know shown to people 
that there apparently apparently that is that it's um it's it's framing him framing the Lovecraftian mythos in this kind of race you know race context you know so that that is actually based off of a short story or a story written by someone else um that wrote all those things into that okay. i have yet to i've yet to read the book um i started on the series and it fell off really quick for me oh, okay. uh i think i got to like episode three and was like i don't know man this it's it's well acted and stuff like that it's just you know in hp lovecraft stuff you're not supposed to see the monster it's and they oh, show it okay. every, every every like 10 minutes oh wow it's like all right it's super on the nose too. It's like, oh, we're going to Arkham County, and the most like dun dun dun. <laughs> it's like, uh, why don't you let me be scared instead of like telling me to be scared? I'll eventually find my way to it, you know. And, I mean, uh, it's not it's not bad. I, I feel like it's a little overblown. But again, I only got to episode three, and you know how it is. Like a lot of the series takes take a little while to get get rolling. Yeah, definitely. So wait, the band that you're doing with Mike. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Now we were talking about that a while back. It seems like yeah. two, two days ago we started talking about that. No, but I, I you, you never really talk, you never really deliver on what that shit's all about, man. So um, the short version is um, I moved to DC about three or four years ago. And, uh, you know, Pink Fury is busy, but we're not busy, busy. We're not on the road. Um, you know, we all have day jobs. So uh, I kind of just wanted to, to do something else. Um, and I know Mike for like a little bit. Of course, Pickers Road and Darkest Tower played a couple shows together uh, over the years, you know, us both being from the area. Um, so they had a band. Um, uh, Mike and Jason, the drummer, had a band and they lost their singer. So I had this idea that I wanted to do a Dwarves-style band called The Burglars where we would dress up ski masks and all black and be like, this song's called Home Invasion, you know, just like nasty ass, you know, mentors punk without the sexual assault, basically. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, I, I, you know, moving, moving here, which again was only 45 minutes away. Most of my friend base is in Baltimore. So it's like, Hey guys, let's hang out. Let's do this thing. And they kind of switched it on me. They're like, Hey, yeah, yeah, let's get together. Like next Friday. And so, you know, I showed up and they're like written all these dumb like lyrics, like, you know, the song's called like, you know, dismantle your security system and like all that dumb shit. Um, and uh, they're like, so we have this other band and we had a singer, but she couldn't really do it. So do you want to do it? And I was like, well, what the fuck? You know, I don't really have a whole lot going on. And it'd be fun for me to sc actually like scream again. So that's kind of how Zealot started. We, they had the name beforehand. And of course, there's like 85 bands called Zealot. So we uh, just tacked RIP on after much deliberation of me trying to come up with, you know, I came up with a ton of other band names. But, you know, now that you have Google, you look those up and I'm like, oh, really? That's a band name, too? Like, I think my favorite one was Room 231 from The Shining. Um, so, uh, yeah, so we just kind of started jamming and uh, we got a demo together talked to uh justin pearson from 31g and he was like yeah i'll put it out so we released three songs which is basically our demo reworked the rest of the demo which is coming out whenever soon as our full length um on 31g 
Because you kind of glossed over that a little bit. You're like, oh, yeah, it's coming out on 3.1G. And I'm like, oh, yeah. shit, I wanted, to, I wanted to ask you about that because that's like a pretty fucking sick label, really. Yeah, I mean, Jason goes way back from uh, with, with Justin. Uh, like, he toured, uh, you know, our drummer, I think. Uh, you know the Retox logo yeah. where it's like someone carved in, like, not carved in, someone's chest hair? Yep. Like, that's my, that's my drummer. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, and he's kind of like a nut. He's like a, a real fun dude to be around, man. Um. So, yeah, it was just like, okay, well, we've got this thing. Let's see what we do with it. And, you know, I think it's a tough bracket now to get anyone to put out your record. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. Especially since, like, you know, we all have jobs and they all have kids. Like, we're not in the road for months on end. Um, so, you know, you can't even approach a label and say, hey, like, our plan is just to tour nonstop. Um, so we kind of just gave it to Justin to see what he thought. And he loved it. And that's that. I mean, it's, like, not a super interesting story, but it's... It just got very happenstance. Um, and since the first one was uh, basically three songs and kind of like, quote-unquote, a demo that was just released on the label, uh, he didn't really work it too much, which is good because, I, uh, you know, you, you kind of get sick of the press sometimes. I'm not like to sit, you know, I'm not Brad Pitt over here, but uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Um, you know, you've done probably, what, five podcasts in a row, and you're like, dude, <laughs> I just want to go dr- just want to drink a beer. But uh, so, you know, moving forward, we, we shot a video on Monday for one of the songs off it um, called Ambush Predator. Um, and that's that for now uh, until we can, like, you know, get an official release date and, uh, you know, release the video, like, a, you know, in a, in a quote-unquote official format. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of it. I didn't mean to gloss over it real quick, like, you know. No, because I, I was I was kind of impressed actually, because I I'm a big fan of a lot of the stuff that came out on Three One G, and I like you know Justin Pearson's. A, I've met him a couple times, and he's cool, and uh, I like the Locust and all the other. He's guys played in so many bands, Crimson Curse, fucking. I mean, Swing he, Kids. And, and one of them is getting back together. Uh, yeah. Swing Kids just released their entire discography, I think. That's cool. I have a lot and of I, that shit anyway, but yeah, that's, that's right. Really sick. Yeah, does that bump ever bother you out, man? Because like you said, I'm a vinyl guy. Like, <laughs> no, not at all. No, no, I, 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 dude, I've, I'm a vinyl person too, man. This doesn't bum me out. I just thought it's like it just makes things. It's funny to say that though, you know. No, it, it bums me out when I'm like, oh yeah, I've got all those seven inches but one, and you're gonna collect them on an LP. It's like, fuck you. <laughs> oh, that yeah. No, but I, I like uh, having individual formats like that because I, it makes me remember like when I picked that shit up. You know, I'm like, oh, oh man, yeah, this man. is like in fucking reptilian records i got this because i asked hey do you have it you know and it's like you know it's uh like chris x had more shit or behind the counter than he actually had out you know what i mean i feel like sometimes i still am uh really good friends with chris and talk to him quite a bit um i was the 10th person in the history of the store to go upstairs and uh, my heart stopped dude i saw the he had a copy of the deep wound seven inch which you was like only whispered about at that point like i never even knew anybody that owned it he had a copy of uh that really shitty bad religion record that like they don't even talk about uh into the unknown uh yeah he's he's got christmas and he's all that stuff is in storage somewhere he still has all it's just crazy yeah i remember on one one um this tour that we anodyne did we had this kid with us as uh doing our merch and all that and uh and he, we were telling him, he, you know, he was kind of like a little bit younger, so 
we were talking about all these records and he was writing down all the names of these records, you know, like today is a day, like I bent scared seven inch and, you know, stuff like that. He was trying to find them whenever we went to different cities. And the last stop on that tour was Baltimore and we went to Reptilian and he has like, oh man, it's like, I just got like four, four more records. And, uh, and we were in Reptilian Records, and he found, like, a couple of them. And he's like, I go, why well, don't just ask the guy if he's got them, man? This dude's got, like, mad, like, shit, like, squirreled Stashed away, away. Man. Yeah. You know, it's like, so he ended up getting the last two records. He's like, oh, yeah, I have those. And he sold it to him. so. Yeah, I distinctly remember uh, having a conversation with Chris uh, about that. Like, you know, the store was having some financial problems. And uh, I was like, dude, you have, like, 15 copies of that first Unsane 7 inch. <laughs> <laughs> like why don't you put half of them on ebay yeah, <laughs> like, yeah man because because he wanted someone like you to come to the store and be like hey man i don't suppose you uh run across that first insane seven inch at all and he's like hang tight and then he still will sell it to you for 15 bucks which is a great price for it yeah but you know i'm like yeah but you're not gonna have 15 of those people so <laughs> like <laughs> of that type of shit you know and it, it's like one of those things that you'd be like i mean i've known chris forever and he put out I mean, I'm personally the most recorded reptilian artist with Triac. I was in this band called Daybreak and a Hapey. And there's still stuff I've, I'm, I'll mention to him. And he's like, oh, yeah, I've got those stories. Let me go dig it out for you. I'm like, motherfucker, I've been looking for this for like 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it's easy to get on eBay and buy it, but like, I don't want to do that. Nah, it's I, not, I'd rather walk in someplace and like look around and fucking. It's all about the find. It's all about the hunt and the find, you know? Yeah, I agree with that, man. It, it makes it less special if you can just co like commodify it like that. Yeah, no, nah, it's you just dial dial it into like some search engine and it shows up and there's there's like no fun in that, you know. Yeah, I mean, there's only one record I've ever done that, and that uh, you remember the old Eric band Lama or Death? Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, I, I always thought that was a funny name. Yeah. So their their pre Eric record I found out about and had never even heard of it, and I think I went on eBay and bought that. That was the only record I've ever bought on ebay i mean i do buy some stuff online like i just got evan from death fest uh he's got this new gore grind project and i bought that but that's different you're not gonna find that in the store <laughs> you know no nah, i mean i mail order stuff too but like new records you know i'll mail order a bunch of shit you know and and but i don't search out like rare stuff really, right you know? yeah and if you the odds are if you do you're gonna pay an arm and a leg for it yeah and yeah, totally there's nothing like going into a record store for me and be like holy shit man look what i just found yeah exactly all right man so uh thanks for taking time out of your busy day and, and chatting with me i appreciate it yeah of course man always and uh yeah so what's the release date on this thing that you got coming out with the zealot, zealot record yeah, no, no idea no release date, <laughs> no idea and i can also say that uh big destroyer is doing a live record finally oh cool uh there's like there was a rash of bands that were doing that and just tossing it online uh, once COVID hit, you know, and we did two nights at Vitus in a little over a year ago, um, which was one of the last shows, actually. Um, so between two different sets and two different nights, we were able to cobble together a a full length out of it. I don't know when that's coming out. I know I finalized the artwork about uh, three weeks ago, so I don't know. That'll be sometime soon. That's awesome, man. I'm definitely going to check that out. Yeah, I mean, you know, I wish it was... Uh, I'd rather be playing live than releasing a live record, but what can you do? Totally, dude. Yeah. 
All right, man. So uh, thanks for everything, man. And we'll, uh, we'll talk soon. All right, man. It's good to talk to you. Well, that's it for this week's episode of Metal Matters, an official Gimme Metal podcast. Tune in next week and see what we have in store for you. This show is available on all streaming platforms, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, etc. Also, be sure to check out Gimme Metal, streaming on the web, iOS, or Android. For one of the best metal communities, exclusive merch, interviews, and so much more. I'll catch you guys next week. Take care.